And that has happened for many people throughout the centuries. On Easter Sunday, many, many over time have been exposed to the truth of the resurrection of Jesus and what it means. And they embraced that truth, believed it, and trusted that Jesus with their lives. And those lives were changed. It's happened year after year after year, decade after decade, century after century. In fact, is it possible that anyone here this morning looks back on an Easter Sunday, an Easter weekend, as the time when they trusted Christ for salvation and it changed them? Could you raise your hand as a silent test? There is one. Okay. Maybe it'll be you today. You know, the resurrection is really the true center of theological universe. Um, You wouldn't have Christianity without the resurrection of Christ. Because you can't serve a dead Savior. Only a living one. And unlike any other religion in this world, we have the living one. The living Savior. I'd like you to pray with me and we're going to look at God's word and what it has to say about the importance of the resurrection of Christ. Father, we give you thanks for this time. It's been so good, Lord, to celebrate through music, to remind ourselves the resurrection of Jesus, his victory over death, to be reminded that we serve a living Savior. Father, we rejoice with those who are are here today and they remember back to an Easter weekend when you changed their lives. We rejoice with them, Lord. We pray that maybe you have that in store for someone this morning, this year. So, Father, speak to us. Uh, Show us truth. In Christ's name, amen. If you would take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if you've been with us uh, the last weeks, you know that we aren't straying away from what we've been doing because it's Easter. Um, we are in the midst of looking at 1 Corinthians 15, three Sundays in a row. We began last week, so today is the middle Sunday of looking at this chapter. In this chapter, Paul has been talking about the resurrection of the dead. The idea that there will be a day when there will be a resurrection. And he talks about how at that time, those who belong to Jesus, when they're resurrected, they will receive what he calls new bodies, eternal bodies. Hard to imagine, but that's what Scripture says. And so when we get to verse 35... If you look at that in chapter 15, Paul brings up a question that anybody would be asking. 
when thinking about this subject. And in verse 35, this is what he says. Someone may ask, how are the dead raised and with what kind of body will they come? That's a good question, isn't it? Okay, if there's going to be a resurrection of the dead and those who belong to Christ at that time are going to receive new bodies, eternal bodies that will live with Jesus forever, what will that body be like? Anybody ever wondered? What will that body be like? Will it look like this one? Will it have limitations or no limitations? What will it be like? That's the question. And Paul goes on to answer it in the rest of chapter 15 to tell us what that body will be like. But what we're doing is we're being patient in these three weeks. And last week, instead of looking at the answer to that question, we went back to the first 11 verses of the chapter where Paul starts out by talking about the gospel, the good news, which involves the message of Jesus' death for our sins, paying for our sins that we might be forgiven, and then his resurrection, how he rose from the dead and conquered it. And we talked last week about how you can't get to that new body and experience what that new body is going to be like if you haven't addressed the gospel. Because that new body is for those who have believed the gospel and trusted Jesus, surrendered their life to him. That's who the new body is for. So we talked about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, his death and resurrection, and salvation and forgiveness through believing that gospel. Today we're going to look at verses 12 through 23, kind of the middle part of the chapter. So we're still not going to see the answer to the question of verse 35, what will those new bodies look like? We'll look at that answer next week. All right? Let me read for you verses 12 to 23. 1 Corinthians 15. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Let's pray before we look at that. Father, uh, we ask that your word would uh, be clear enough to us as we go through this this morning. 
that we could respond to it, that we would understand the importance of what your servant Paul was saying here. And Father, we pray that in the next uh, minutes you would just uh, work by your spirit. Give us ears to hear and a willingness to respond. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. There seems to have been a problem in the Corinthian church. According to verse 12, it sounds like some of the, some of the Christians in that church were being influenced by other voices. Uh, you notice Paul says, uh, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? In that church in Corinth, there probably were a mixture of uh, Greek, Gentile persons, and Jewish persons. And both, no matter what their background, would have been hearing voices that might influence them concerning this idea of the resurrection of the dead, that the, the grave isn't the end. Those who were Greeks would have known that in their past life, in their past religions, there would have been this teaching called dualism, which simply says that we are made up of body and spirit. And dualism says the body is evil and it's always evil. If, if I were a Greek teacher here teaching some Greek religion, I would say to Jacob, that body of yours is evil. And everything that body does is evil. That would be the voice that the Greeks would have heard and still hearing around them, even if they belonged to Christ in that Corinthian church. But if there were Jewish Christians in that church, they would have voices from their past saying the same thing, because in the Jewish religion there was a group of leaders called the Sadducees. And those teachers did not believe in the supernatural they did not believe that there was a resurrection of the dead. And so even if these Christians were Jewish, they still would have those voices from their past. And so the Greeks would be hearing this thought that your body is evil. Once you die, why in the world would you want that evil body resurrected? It's where it belongs. Your spirit will go on to live, but that evil body is now gone. No resurrection. And the Jewish Christians would be hearing those voices saying, you can't believe in a resurrection of the dead. That's supernatural. Supernatural things don't happen. We live in a natural world. And so Paul begins in verse 12 by saying, how is it that some of you are letting those thoughts influence you and, and, and thinking that maybe there isn't a resurrection of the dead. And so then he says, notice, twice in verse 13, if there is no resurrection of the dead, if those people are right, then not even Christ has been raised. And he repeats it in verse 16, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. It, it's like, it's like Paul is saying to the Corinthians, come on, man. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Jesus never rose. If Jesus never rose from the grave, then there's no resurrection of the dead. Those two things stand or fall together. 
Resurrection of Jesus, resurrection of the dead. You can't have one and not the other. Is what he's saying. If one is true, the other's true. If one's not true, the other's not true. They are so connected. The resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. And then he goes on to list some things that would be true. Let's pretend there was no resurrection of Jesus. Let's pretend his body is still in a grave outside of Jerusalem somewhere. Let's pretend that he never rose. What would be true and what would not be true? So let's look at that quickly. He says in verse 14, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. If Christ is still in the grave, his body is still there. Paul says our preaching is useless. It's of no value. Why? Because Paul had been going around from city to city to city preaching about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then Paul is saying all our preaching has been useless. And I was thinking this week, that means my preaching in the last 49 years has been useless, of no value. I've been wasting my time because I can't even count the number of times I've talked about the resurrection of Jesus. Paul says, if he didn't rise, all the preaching about that has been useless. Not only that, he says, so is your faith. If Jesus did not rise from the grave, your faith is useless. It's of no value. Of what value is it to place your faith and trust in a dead person? That's useless. So if Christ did not rise, my preaching all these years has been useless. And your faith has been useless. He goes on. Verse 15. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. Not only has our preaching been useless, but we turn out to be liars. We who have preached about and told about the resurrection of Christ. If he didn't rise, we turn out to be false witnesses. We turn out to be liars, deceivers. You know, when we came here to embarrass at the end of 1979... During the year of 1980, we found out that there was talk at the Aero Shirt Factory in Eveleth that this young Jim Jones had moved into Embarrass and was leading this cult at the Embarrass Town Hall. Friends, if there is no resurrection of Christ, if he's still in the grave, maybe the people that the Arrow Shirt Factory were right. Hello, my name is Jim Jones. I have been deceiving people for 49 years. I'm a false witness. That's what Paul says, isn't it? 
If Christ did not rise from the grave, then all of us who have been preaching about the resurrection of Christ are false witnesses. We are liars. We are deceivers. He goes on. Verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Back to your faith again. Those of you who have placed your faith in Jesus... If he didn't rise, your faith is useless, but it's also futile. It has no effect. It's your imagination. Your faith in a dead person does nothing. It's futile. You've wasted your time following someone whose body is in a grave. Your faith is futile. He goes on to say, if Christ has not been raised, you're still in your sins. Wow. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, you are still in your sins. You are still guilty of sin. You are still under the control of sin. You are not forgiven. Sin continues to rule in your life and will ruin your life if Jesus did not rise from the dead. You're still in your sins. He goes on, verse 18. Then those also who have fallen asleep, New Testament way of saying died. Those who have died in Christ, belonging to Christ, are lost. We've all experienced the death of someone we cared about. Someone we've cared about that knew Jesus, belonged to Jesus. Paul says, if Jesus is not alive, if he did not rise from the dead, those people are lost. They're gone. The grave is the end. If Jesus did not rise. He goes on to say, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all Man, if Jesus didn't rise, people should feel sorry for us because we have been so duped. We have lived our life having this hope, this some kind of hope that there's something after the grave. We've been so deceived if Jesus did not rise from the dead. And people should feel sorry for us. They should pity us. Then you have one of the best words in the Bible. Verse 20. But. Going to do a whole series in the fall called but God. Paul uses that statement here. He says, if Christ has not been raised, if he's not alive, then these things are true or these things won't be true. And we've just gone through those things. He says in verse 20, but. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He's alive. He conquered death. Those who tell you 
There's no resurrection because the body is evil and there's no sense resurrecting an evil body. They're wrong. Those Sadducees who tell you that there's no such thing as miracles and the supernatural. We live in a natural world. So there's no resurrection of the dead. They're wrong. Jesus indeed has been raised. So let me quickly go back through the list and tell you what's true then because Jesus has been raised. First, thank God my preaching is of value. It's not useless. Those who have preached for centuries about the resurrection of Christ are telling you the truth. They're not false witnesses. They're not deceiving you. They're not lying to you. When they tell you about the resurrection of Christ, they're telling the truth. He's alive. And I'm not Jim Jones. The Arrow Shirt Factory in Eveleth is long gone. And I'm still here. Preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus did rise, and Paul says he did, well, then your faith is of value. Your faith is not worthless because your faith is in a living Lord who hears you, who is with you, who works in and around you. Your faith is in a living Lord, Jesus Christ. Your faith is effective. It makes a difference. Because Jesus indeed rose from the dead. Because Jesus did rise from the dead, if you have believed the gospel and trusted Christ for salvation, you are forgiven. You are no longer under the control of your sin. You are forgiven. Because the Jesus who died for your sins and paid your penalty conquered death, conquered sin. You are forgiven if you have trusted Him and Believe the gospel of Christ. Since Jesus has risen from the dead, I'm going to see my dad and mom again. Their bodies are in the grave, but they are not lost. They are not gone. They will be part of that resurrection just like me. The grave was not the end for them. The grave is never the end for those who belong to Jesus. Because he rose. And because he's alive and conquered death, he has the ability to give us life, his people life, beyond the grave. Because he rose. And because Jesus did indeed rise again, nobody has to feel sorry for us. Nobody has to have pity on us. They need to start taking us seriously. 
Because we have the truth. Don't pity us. Jesus did rise from the grave. And we believe it. And we will keep talking about it. Now there's, there's one more thing, if you're taking notes, that you'll notice can be added to each of those lists. And it goes along with our main subject in this series through this chapter. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then there will be no such thing as a new eternal body for his people. There won't be. How could he give us new eternal bodies if his body is still in a grave somewhere? Death conquered him. So if Jesus did not rise, there is no resurrection body. But he rose. That means at the end of the list on the right side is that there is a resurrection body. There will be a new eternal body for those who belong to Jesus. There will be a resurrection and his people will receive this new body. Whether we understand this or not, the Bible teaches it. We'll receive this new body. And in that body, we will live with Jesus, the living Jesus, forever. That's our hope. We don't have hope just in this life. We have hope beyond this life. Because Jesus arose. But the question then remains... The question of verse 35. If Jesus indeed rose again, he's alive. If there indeed is a resurrection of the dead, and if indeed when Jesus' people rise from the dead, they're given a new body in which they'll live with him forever. Verse 35. What's that body like? What kind of body will it be? This new resurrection body we will see the answer next week as we look at the rest of 1 Corinthians 15 that's worth filling the church again next week don't you think to see the answer to that question but for now I want you to remember something Jesus said to his disciples He said, because I live, you also will live. Because I conquered death and I live, you, my people, my followers, who believe in me and follow me, will live. It's a package deal the resurrection of Christ, the resurrection of the dead. They stand or fall together, and they don't fall because Christ indeed is alive. He rose. And so the question that I leave you with then is, have you 
answered the gospel call like we talked last week. Jesus died for your sins. He took on himself on that cross your sins. He was judged in your place. He didn't sin. He didn't need to be judged for his sin. But he took our sins on himself and on that cross in death. He paid our sin penalty that we could be forgiven if we would embrace and believe that gospel message. We could be forgiven, saved from the penalty of sin, and receive the hope of eternal life in a new body someday with Jesus. I had never heard of this person before. Apparently a lot of people have. Her name is Doreen Virtue. Interesting last name, isn't it? Doreen Virtue. It turns out that for years she has been a well-known New Age teacher and author. In fact, if you went on Amazon, you would find all kinds of books written by Doreen Virtue about the New Age. She would pack out arenas and auditoriums when she spoke her New Age teachings. Here's a book that gives her testimony. Yes, testimony of what Jesus did in her life. I want to read what she says at the introduction. On January 7, 2017, I had a profound experience that catapulted me out of my career as a top-selling New Age author. I surrendered my life to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I lost almost everything and everyone in order to follow Jesus. I went from a first-class lifestyle to becoming a humble servant starting over at the age of 58. I endured cruel slander, gossip, and persecution from New Agers who took my conversion as a personal betrayal. Now I am learning to trust God after nearly wasting a lifetime being independent and willful. Jesus saved my soul from deception and opened my eyes to his truth. My salvation is a miracle because I certainly didn't deserve or earn it. God opened my eyes and saved me by his unmerited grace and mercy. I have repented and know that God has graciously and mercifully forgiven me. She has tried and tried to get Amazon and bookstores to get rid of her books. They won't do it. And she feels bad about that, but she just prays that people won't buy them. And she has gone out publicly saying, what you read in those books is not true. I'm a follower of Jesus. He's changed my life. Praise God. A person who died and whose body is in a grave in Jerusalem can't do that. Can't change a life like that. Jesus is alive. He's changed many lives here. But there are some lives here that need to be changed. And only Jesus can do it. And he's alive to do it. Because he rose again. Let me conclude with this. This could be a summary of Good Friday and Easter. Heaven's best took hell's worst 
and turned it into hope. Amen. Heaven's best, Jesus, took hell's worst and through his resurrection turned it into hope. Hope beyond the grave for those who trust him for salvation. Next week we'll find out how that hope turns out and with what kind of body we will spend eternity in with Jesus. For now, if you don't know him, no better time than today. Let Easter be part of your testimony when you came to Christ. Surrender to him. Ask him for his forgiveness. Trust in him. Follow him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have to remember that we, unlike any other religion, serve a living Savior, a living Lord. He's in the world today. He's in us. He walks with us. He hears us. He speaks to us. He leads us. He loves us. He changes us because He's alive. May this be a day of surrender and change for someone here. And Father, if someone here surrenders their life to you for salvation, to follow this Jesus, may they not be able to keep quiet, but tell somebody who can help them grow and get started. In Christ's name we pray. In the living Christ's name we pray. Amen.